Welcome to the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. This is your Friday Roundup. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. Okay, we're back. So we're recording on Tuesday morning for our Friday episode. And as usual, just a way for us to address thoughts from our community, figure out maybe what we missed, what we can explain better, and also highlight the thoughts of the FI community as it adds value. So I have Brad here with me in the studio. Hi, Brad. How are you doing today? Hey, Jonathan. I'm doing really well. Seems like summer is in full effect here in Richmond. I know we're going to hit, I think, 100 degrees the next three days. So it should be uh, nice and warm. Yeah, we're seven months into 2017. This year is just flying by. I guess you have some vacations coming up here pretty soon. You're going to take a trip in August? Yeah, we're going early August. We're actually taking this random journey through New York State, which is a departure for us. We're basically just driving. So we're driving from Richmond up to Long Island to visit our our family for a week and then driving up through upstate New York, stopping at a lake house and visit Laura's college and then actually over to Niagara Falls, which should be a lot of fun. Are you doing this in the Honda Civic with your two kids? <laughs> that would be uh, very impressive and fi-like, but no, we're, we're doing it in the uh, the Toyota Highlander, which is also a 2003, so I don't feel so bad. But yeah, that would be that would be a bridge too far, I think. <laughs> yeah, please include me on that Instagram spread. <laughs> I really want to see that. Uh, in our community, a lot of people have talked about slow travel and this idea of just taking a little bit more time and focusing on activities rather than just expenses. And I love to get a chance to see what other people are doing because everybody has done these uniquely awesome things that when you hear about, you're like, wow, I really want to try that. And when you put yourself in a position where you have more time, you suddenly feel like you're more likely to try new and interesting stuff that other people have modeled. So you're not having to find out whether or not it's awesome. They've already proven it. Now you're just deciding whether or not you want to take some of your extra time and try it. Yeah, that makes sense. And and this really is a kind of slow travel-esque trip. We're uh, not trying to do too much. We're going to four different locations in two weeks, and it should just be a nice, relaxing family trip. Nothing too adventurous other than, I guess, seeing Niagara Falls and going to Canada, which will be the first time my kids ever leave the country, I guess, technically. And we thought, of course, with all of our million plus miles that we have left over from all of our travel reward stuff, we, of course, thought about going to Europe or South America or something like that. But we just kind of decided that this would just be a nice, chill trip. So it should be good. I do think it is going to pose some interesting situations for our audience and for our podcast, because obviously me and you both think that spending time with family and doing these types of trips are very important. But we are now just now really transitioning to the point where we're really featuring this podcast as a full time thing for both of us. And I don't know if we've necessarily figured out how vacations that we are going to want to take are going to work into this podcast. So we're definitely going to have to jump through some hoops to figure it all out. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess for the audience, this is a little behind the scenes look. And when Jonathan says full time, I mean, we're, we're each spending 20 to 40 hours on this podcast every single week, which is uh, kind of crazy when I when I actually add up all the time. But yeah, I mean, you and I have been frantically trying to figure out how we're going to get all the Monday episodes ready through basically like August 21st, I think, or August 28th. But then goodness, like the roundups, I don't, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure how that's going to work out. But rest assured, everyone out there, we will uh, we will get a roundup in some way, shape or form out each of those weeks. But I don't think you and I really thought through like the travel schedule or like what a fi lifestyle looks like when you're publishing, I guess, 104 podcasts a year, you know, <laughs> we're going to make it work. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> it's so much fun. We can uh, we'll, we'll deal with it. But yeah, it is. It is pretty tough. Mondays seem easy enough because we just come up with a really awesome concept and then we explore it and we record it. But when you're doing a live show like the Friday Roundup, that requires that you check in each week. So there is definitely a strategic aspect to that that we're going to have to work out. Yeah. Here's hoping for some Wi-Fi in hotels. Right. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead do this. So this week we went back and essentially did part two of the travel rewards series. We focused on essentially what happens after you finish the Chase Gauntlet, where we encourage anybody that's interested in travel rewards to start. If you want more information on that, you can go to choosefi.com slash 009 or just listen to the ninth episode of the podcast. That will walk you through beginning to end everything you need to know to understand and execute on travel rewards. But at some point you do come to the end of that and you're trying to figure out what to do next. And the Monday episode that we featured really explored what comes after and also gives you a prototype to look at with executing a specific trip and a very valuable trip for most families by teaching you how to go to Disney for free, which as Brad said, like it or not, whether or not you think it's any value, whether or not you think it's over commercialized at some point, if you have kids, it's going to be on the plate. Now you can say no, but they're going to be asking for it. So if you can do it for free and put this little tool in your back pocket, I think it changes the equation and makes it more possible. makes it easier to do this. And even aside from that, just as a, as a standalone, it was a great way to look at a specific trip and also as an extension of what to do next, it gave us a chance to explore some of these additional cards. Right, Brad? Yeah, that's a, a good summary for sure. And while we focused on Disney, th this really was a larger concept of what to do with your strategy going forward, essentially. And in speaking with my wife, Laura, about the episode, since she looks at this as as a fan of the show and someone who's just listening for the first time, she wanted me to kind of clarify a little bit that when I said that we're stopping opening credit cards, I just wanted to clarify that we didn't just open up a few Chase credit cards and then just stop, essentially. We had been doing this for years and had really gone through many different cards. So I think we earned at last count in total about two and a half million miles and points between the two of us. So, I mean, that's an astronomical figure. It seems still for me hard to believe, but when you have these 50,000 point bonuses and get extra bonus miles and all sorts of different things, two and a half million miles is not inconceivable over a five to seven year period. So I, I definitely didn't want to give up the impression that we just opened up a handful of chase cards and then we shut it down. We, like I had mentioned on the episode, there are all these other really top tier cards from the other banks. So it, this is not a all or nothing chase scenario by any means. You can and should definitely go through many of these other cards from Amex and Citibank and Barclays and Capital One, et cetera. And that's the point that we found ourselves at, which was, all right, we've opened up a significant number of these cards and we're now locked out of chase. 
So at that point, we decided for ourselves. And now a lot of other people who are really into travel rewards might have made a different decision than us. But for ourselves, we decided we wanted to stop opening up cards for a period of time and try to get back under the 524 rule and be able to actually apply and get approved for Chase credit cards. So that's really kind of where we find ourselves now. And hopefully that little bit of clarification helps. So each week we basically open up the floor to our community on our Facebook group, which you can access by going to chooseify.com slash Facebook. And essentially on this thread that we open up each week, we try to collect feedback on the episode and find out what we missed, what we could have said better. And we generally explore that on our Friday roundup. And this week, Noah had several comments for us. And I should just say real quick that we have two moderators on our Facebook group, and it's Noah and Sun Wu. Noah has a, a website at moneymetagame.com, and, and Sun Wu has a website at 5x40.com. And they have absolutely stepped up and are offering so much value on almost every single question or comment on that Facebook community group. These guys are incredibly smart. I mean, they they continually blow both Brad and myself just away by the level of knowledge and basically bringing their A-game to the table with every single idea that's posted. So we can't thank them enough and just wanted to give them a, a quick plug here. But on t aside from that, Noah had some specific feedback on this Monday episode, and he basically said, you guys kind of posted a false dichotomy there this past week. And after looking at it again, I, I tend to agree with them. Brad and I essentially came to the end of that episode and said, you have a choice. You can either go back and, and go through the, the outline that we laid out with Chase once you come to the end of it, or you can move on and do other cards. Noah challenged us by saying, if you're married, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can essentially pick up this perfect hybrid that allows you to get the best of both worlds. And he says, for couples... Let one spouse get a new chase card every approximately five months or so to stay under the 524. The other spouse can go as hard as they want on other credit cards outside the chase cards, and they can fill in all of the spending gaps with cards from any bank and not worry about their 524 status, which to him is kind of the best of both worlds. And frankly, uh, even though... I consider myself a creative thinker. I was kind of visualizing doing one or the other. And I think that's incredibly value added. Yeah, it's a great comment by Noah for sure. I like this. And it's funny, sometimes you just don't think outside of your own little box. So for instance, Laura and I have been opening up cards for years. We're both well over 524. So for me, it was an either or. So there wasn't this hybrid available. But now that we'll both be back under 524, I'm going to take Noah's advice here and, and do precisely this. And on this same topic, John had a question for us, and he was talking specifically about the cash value cards. He said, I'd like to understand why you'd get a card that you can negate travel expenses at one cents per mile instead of just getting a regular cash back card. Brad, well, let's go ahead and talk about that for a second. Yeah, this is a really good question by John. And I think the real simple answer is it's all about the sign-up bonus. The sign-up bonus for these travel rewards cards is, is everything. That's where the real money is to be made, the real value comes. So for instance, just to run through the numbers, right? Let's say you, you open up a Barclay card Arrival Plus, which right now is the top bonus on, on any of these fixed value cards that he's mentioning. And it's a, at time of, of recording here, it's a $500 bonus when you spend $3,000 in the first three months. So if you spent $3,000 and just got on, on some normal card and got 1% rewards, that would be worth $30 to you. Okay. Not nothing, but not all that great really. Whereas if you put $3,000 on this Barclay card arrival plus, 
you would actually earn the 50,000 point bonus. Plus, you'd actually earn another 6,000 points for that 3,000 spend. So in total, it would be $560 worth of value, which when you take that 560 and divide it by the $3,000 spend, that comes to an 18.67% a really rebate more or less, on your $3,000 spending. So that far surpasses the 1% or even 2% you might get on the best possible regular cashback card or rewards card. That's why the sign-up bonuses mean everything when it comes to the strategy. And of course, you always have to do what you're comfortable with, but we advise as many of these sign-up bonuses as you can get while still, of course, being smart with your credit cards, right? Paying them off on time and in full every single month and not spending any additional money than you would otherwise if you just use cash or debit or a check or whatever people use. So yeah, I mean, 18.67% is incredible. And frankly, I've seen cards where like the British Airways card, we wound up ultimately getting more than 100% in value back on the redemptions, which was just bonkers to me. I mean, that was that was incredible. So yeah, in summary, John, really great question, but you can see why these sign-up bonuses really just juice the whole reward structure in your favor from one to 2% to upwards of 15 to 30%, which is clearly a, a huge upgrade. So that is travel rewards in a nutshell. It's earning these sign-up bonuses and really understanding the value of them. And it works perfectly for the long-term player. If you're willing to do this over time, I mean, the limiting factor here is the minimum spends when you're going for these sign-up bonuses. You're never going to go out and you're going to open five or six cards all at once. That would be, as Brad says, that's crazy talk. So you just want to space this out and make it a part of your lifestyle and you're just allocating your normal spending and you're doing it over extended periods of time, which is how you can end up in a situation three years from now where you'll find yourself like Brad, where you haven't spent any extra. You're still saving 50 or 60 percent of your income. And now you have three million miles, which you've redeemed for two to three vacations each year. And as you get closer to your FI goal and you have more and more free time, you're actually able to use these points in the most optimal way possible as you learn these additional strategies to do more and more game changing vacations and adventures with your family for free. So we had some interesting feedback and ideas come from the audience. And, and a lot of times what happens is by Brad and I sharing our conversation twice a week in some way inspires our audience to remember something that they've already done and essentially riff off what, what we did and share their experiences, which then allows us to riff off what they're doing. And Pastor Fi shared one with us. Brad, did you want to did you want to read that? Yeah, sure. So Mark, who goes by Pastor Fi here, said, hey there, Brad, listening to the July 4th roundup, as soon as you mentioned Mother's Day and restaurants, I bolted upright. About 20 years ago, it dawned on me that Mother's Day and Father's Day were a complete disaster. On Mother's Day, as you pointed out, you cannot get into any restaurants. They are crowded and the service stinks. On Father's Day, you couldn't get onto any golf course anywhere. So my wife and I switched them. Father's Day became Mother's Day and Mother's Day became Father's Day. I could get onto any golf course I wanted on Mother's Day, and my wife and I could go to any restaurant we liked on Father's Day. It worked perfectly. <laughs> That's so cool. So do do people not go to restaurants on Father's Day? Is that not done? 
Yeah, I don't know. That's that is news to me. I thought when Laura and I were talking about this afterwards, it, I didn't realize that. I would imagine people go, but I think like most families go out for Mother's Day, right? Yeah. So they're just packed. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely going to be a downturn for sure. That's interesting. I hadn't even considered that. Very cool. So Frank said, devoted wife and I have been in Brad's corner on holidays and birthdays ever since our first Valentine's Day dinner, which was held in a nice empty restaurant, not on Valentine's Day in 1991. We purposely stay home most holidays and reschedule all birthdays for convenience. Uh, We were married at the Jersey Shore several weeks after Labor Day when everyone had left. By the way, and he had another little tip for us, if you ever have an itch to go to Vegas or an Orlando-style theme park, which he he says hopefully not, but Brad and I obviously have spent a little time talking about that, uh, the best time is the first two weeks of December. Businesses looking for conference space on the cheap often take advantage of this. Uh, The best time to go to a nearby romantic bed and breakfast is usually the Saturday after Thanksgiving, traveling to your parents or in-laws a day or two after Christmas and have a second one there. If you have to go somewhere on Thanksgiving, try to do it early morning on Thanksgiving Day itself. Never go to the beach, pool, etc. on Memorial Day, Labor Day, or the 4th of July. Yep, I was there. If you don't have to, drive late at night or early in the morning if you have to go. Rescheduling important days, travel events is a supreme life hack. Our kids wonder why anyone obsesses over doing something on any particular day and why people waste much of their lives waiting in line with the lemmings. <laughs> I want to get out of that line. (laughs) Oh, and as a general rule, do all of your shopping as early in the morning as possible. You can tell Frank has gamed things out for a long time and he just has a system in place. And it seems like such an obvious choice. And the first time you hear it, wait, we're not going to celebrate Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day. All right. You're going to need to have a conversation. But once you work through it and then you take two steps out and look at it from the outside in, outside of all the commercialism and the marketing, and you realize this is just a made up day with no significance. The significance is what you're putting into the. It's setting that time aside for your family. Once you're willing to just realize the construct that you've allowed yourself to be trapped in and just adjust it slightly, everything is better. So again, it's all about messaging, as Brad and I have said over and over again. And I think as long as you spend some time getting that messaging right with your spouse, you can easily sell that and everybody wins. It's it's just a win all the way around. Yeah. And it's what we always talk about, right? Which is looking at a problem a little bit differently. And both Frank and Mark said essentially the same thing, right? Like, like Frank said, our kids wonder why anyone obsesses over doing something on any particular day. And yeah, I mean, this is the supreme life hack, like he mentioned. It's just think outside the box a little bit. The entire concept of Phi is thinking about the world differently and just being a little more optimized. And I think how you spend your time is a huge portion of it. It's not just how you spend your money. It's how you spend your time. So for all those people who are walking around out there saying how, quote, busy they are and, you know, being frazzled all the time and not making any changes, that's what I don't understand. To me, I look at life as like a game where I can make things easier for myself and better and ultimately live a happier life that I can choose what I do with my time. Isn't that what we want to do? Like why, as Jonathan says, like why be on the hamster wheel? And the hamster wheel doesn't just have to be corporate America. I look at the hamster wheel as life in general. For most people, it's just the same thing day after day, week after week, year after year. And there's no progress. There's no making a game out of things. Like how Joel and Alexis from Phi 180 say they made a game out of every single aspect of Phi and certainly their spending and how can we cut 10% off our credit card bill or 50%. Do that with your time. 
and just look at the world slightly differently. Like how Jonathan just mentioned about, about marketing. I always kind of look at places where even like businesses I know are funneling you to make purchases. And this is a little kind of outside the box, but even back in the day when I used to drink soda, as abhorrent as that seems to me now, you go to a TGA Fridays and they're charging $2 for a soda that costs them two cents. And in my head, I'm like screaming, no, don't go to the profit centers. That's what they're trying to funnel you towards. Other restaurants, are trying to funnel you in on Mother's Day when they can charge double the prices for really nothing particularly great or nothing different than two days before or two days after. And you have to waste precious hours in line. It just makes no sense to me. So another thing Frank mentioned, which is a, a neat little life hack, is traveling on Thanksgiving, actually. So we have flown from Richmond to New York City, to LaGuardia Airport on the Thursday morning of Thanksgiving. The place is a ghost town. You've never seen an airport as empty as LaGuardia on Thanksgiving morning. It's really, it's crazy. You could basically do cartwheels down down the center of the aisle and no one would see you. So that's a great day to travel. Just like try to accumulate these life hacks. And that's what we can do here at Choose FI. So hopefully when you guys are listening to this, it's not just about Mother's Day. It's not just about, oh, Brad said it was great to travel on Thanksgiving. It's try to look at your life and figure out when you can do this. So don't go to the food store on Saturday at 3 p.m. Everybody is there. That's crazy. If you want to make your life a little better, try to find a different time. Even if it means getting up a little early one day, you're going to do that shopping in a third of the time and with so much less stress. So just try to accumulate those things and then tell us about them. Tell the community. That's what ChooseFI is this community of people who are helping each other live these optimized lives. So that's how I look at this in general. I had an interesting pivot here, which is it goes back to stuff, but it's it's going to be a little controversial. So we're going to try and go about this the right way. But I think it will prompt you to do some introspection and to have some dialogue that, that may be very interesting, especially when you're talking about things and doing things slightly differently and looking at things slightly differently in the context of specifically maybe Mother's Day, Father's Day, but by extension, birthdays, Christmas, and that is the topic of holiday cards. Can we just talk for just like 20 seconds about how ridiculous it is that you feel compelled to buy cards for your three or four family members, not just for their birthday, but then also at Christmas and then Mother's Day and then Father's Day and then Valentine's Day and then your anniversary and your get well cards and you're thinking of you cards and you walk into your local market and those cards are selling for $7.99 a pop and you feel the pressure to get an individualized one with an audio note that comes with it every single time. Can we just take a second and just talk about how how ridiculous that is that, that there's an entire market that takes up literally 10% of a store selling these cards. Yeah, that, that is uh, that is a very good point. And, you know, it's funny is I, I, I don't think a lot of people realize when uh, we do these roundups, a lot of times it's it's really unscripted. You know, you and I are just kind of riffing off each other. And actually, I was wondering if you were going to go into something about presents and gifts. And we will talk about that in a minute because that's actually where I was going to take this next. So this is a pretty good segue into that. But that kind of reminds me of the profit center that I was alluding to with Coke or getting a beer out at a restaurant for $6 when it would cost you, you know, 67 cents to get it at your uh, local Walmart or wherever. And yeah, could there be any worse example than a greeting card or a birthday card that costs 3 to $7, as Jonathan said, for really nothing? 
just a piece of paper. Yeah, this is like a colossal, colossal waste of money. And uh, I know personally, we don't buy cards anymore. Laura and I write each other cards on actual sheet of printer paper. That's what we do. And we just like date it and we actually save all these. So we have a box of these really nice letters that we write to each other. So that's kind of what we do just because, I mean, I know it's small fries. I mean, you're talking a couple bucks. A couple it doesn't have to be though. I've seen people coming in over and over and over again once a month to purchase cards at $7.99 a pop. And many times they don't even do anything but fill out the name of the person and say, congratulations or thinking of you or something like that. Do you think that card carries any value for that person unless there's a $100 bill tucked in it? It doesn't. It's getting thrown away or putting in the trash a week later. Maybe they hold on to it for two to three weeks because they feel guilty about throwing it out right away. You know, maybe taking Brad's mentality, which is just do it a little bit smarter. Maybe you purchase some very nice cardstock that's blank and doesn't have any messaging attached to it. Maybe you don't just do it on your eight and a half by 11 printer paper, but you do it on some nice cardstock. To me, okay, I see the value there. And if there's a great message attached to it, I am a sentimental person. I get the value of a great note or message. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I think a written letter carries a lot of weight. I'm just talking about buying into this stupid commercialism that says you need to spend $7.99 25 times a year in order to show that you love someone. It's just crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And and that kind of ties into what I'm talking about with uh, with presents. And I, I'm curious what you and Danny do. And I'll talk about myself first, just to, to give a little full disclosure here. Like Laura and I do not do presents for anything. Birthdays, Christmas, Valentine's Day, nothing. We do essentially no presents. I mean, maybe like a tiny little thinking of you thing for, for Christmas, it'll be, you know, 10 or $20 at most. But I mean, realistically, all those holidays that people are frantically trying to find jewelry for their significant other on Valentine's day and spending hundreds of dollars. I just don't really understand that. What, what is it, Jonathan? Is it like a a show of love? Is it that I know this is going to sound weird, but like, to me, it's, it's like a substitute for happiness. And that's kind of why we try to focus on what actually makes us happy in life, as opposed to looking forward to these trinkets at holidays. And I think I might be a little jaded because for whatever reason, we always had like big issues surrounding presents when I grew up and how things had to be perfect or people would start crying. And it was just this like big disaster. And it just always left a sour taste in my mouth. And it's like, what does a present have to do with anything? Or why do you have to waste hundreds of dollars when you're a team 365 days a year? There are better ways to show that you love someone than to go out and waste money that for most people, they just simply don't have. So not only are they spending money on nothing, but then they're putting on a credit card, right? For most people. Whereas for us, we don't bother with that. If there's something that we value, and this goes back to the valuous term that Bo coined in a prior Friday roundup. And if there's something we value in life, we buy it. We don't sit and pine over it or wait until our birthdays are coming up or Christmas or something like that. We just we just buy the thing because there's no special significance. If it reaches the value threshold that we want to make a purchase, we make the purchase, right? That's like, that's the point of having money and having flexibility. So, so yeah, anyway, that's, that's kind of how we deal with it. But Jonathan, I'm curious what, what you guys do. This conversation that you started is probably one of the most powerful and controversial things that we've talked about on this show. I have not figured it out. I am fully in the lemming camp. I get presents for for everybody that I feel like I have to get presents. I can tell you 
I hate it. It, it. A little part of me dies every single time I have to buy 15 people presents at Christmas. It, it, it's not because I'm don't I'm cheap and I don't want to spend the money. I, I just it's just dumb. It just I can feel it. I'm I'm buying into a false construct. And I currently get gifts for for anybody that it's in their timeline. I budget it out. I have the money. You know, I go by the Dave Ramsey. Christmas isn't a surprise. You have 12 months to prepare for it. You should have money set aside. I have the money set aside. I have a budget to spend on them. I don't go crazy with it. But it eats at me that I know that there's a smarter way. And frankly, you just have to have somebody else show you what's possible. And I think, but there's so many different layers to this. The next layer to this is that essentially, especially with, with, and I'm not talking about the extended family presence. That's a whole nother construct. There's a political environment there. There's all sorts of other things that go into that. But I think what I thought was so interesting that you and, and Laura don't buy presents for each other. And, and to me, there's something deeper there that's really cool that's worth just taking a second to explore. And the main thing that strikes me is that in many cases, when you're buying a present for someone, the emotional component that's added onto that is because that present is almost an apology for the lack of time that you've spent. And on that one day, the present says, hey, I appreciate you. And I know that I don't get to spend a lot of time with you, but here's this amazing present that's going to make up for you know 12 months of ignoring you or not being able to spend any time with you. And here's the day to acknowledge of how awesome you are. Now, that's amazing. That's great. Everybody should be acknowledged. But aside from that, one of the reasons I think you don't feel any pressure to have that singular acknowledgement is that you have 365 days of acknowledgement because your primary focus is spending time with your family and with Laura. And and that's what y'all do. Why do you need an additional day to acknowledge that when you have 365 of them and your life has been structured? You've designed a life in which your family is your first priority. And I think in that construct, buying a present doesn't seem necessary. I don't know. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a really good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, we prioritize our lives around happiness and around spending time together. And we're not perfect. I mean, we are very much a work in progress. And just every day, I think I think that is the point, though, is progress, right? And like this touches on what I was talking about before with the hamster wheel of life. And it's humans crave progress and crave seeing incremental improvement or just seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So while happiness is not a light at the end of the tunnel necessarily, like you should be constantly focusing on it and working on it, just find ways to make your life better and easier. And it all ties into itself. It's this wonderful positive feedback loop. That really is how I look at this. So it's just a focus on the things that matter in life. It's not spending five hours at the mall trying to find the perfect present to tell your significant other or whomever that you love them. Show them that you love them every day and make just little things that'll just make your life easier and happier. So that is how I look at it for sure. And yeah, I mean, Jonathan, not to uh, keep pressing you, but like, so you and Danny do like the- I am full on presents, man. I am- hundreds of dollars for Valentine's Day. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. I'm within the realm of reason. So I think I have like- But I think that is what people do, right? Like that's not unreasonable for like many Americans. Yeah, it's a moving scale, right? You always try to get better. I think probably Valentine's Day, 50 bucks would be like the max that we would consider spending on Valentine's Day on like a singular gift, although maybe we'd go get a dinner and, and some of that would go out the window. But I don't think, no, we certainly don't drop $500, $1,000 on, on 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 a present for Valentine's Day. I don't think either of us feel that constraint. It is more just the acknowledgement. And I think there's kind of a, a cap of around probably $50 that we would 
we would spend. So it's a scale, right? There's a, there's a yeah, pretty big spectrum so there. It's a it's a pretty small percentage of our of our uh, discretionary income. So it's definitely doable, and that's been baked in because all this is being done within the context of a budget. But I wish that I could just step out and acknowledge the fact that I'm buying into a construct that I, in my core, irritated by and find another way of doing it. And ultimately, it's it's about my wife's happiness, right? It's about Danny's happiness. So I, I truly believe that if I could get to a situation where I'm able to give her more of my time and more of my support, and that, that would be a far and above a better replacement for any one particular gift that I could give her. She does not need stuff, but she does want to us to take some time and acknowledge that our relationship has value, that we are putting the time in to grow our, our marriage. And Valentine's Day for her, I just think represents that. So if we can find a way to separate that from a monetary expense, she'd be 100% for it. Isn't this interesting though? When you were saying that, I, I was thinking of the episode we had on the Friday Roundup where we were talking about the wife had Ruth's Chris taste and the husband wasn't 100% sure how to even change, right? Or broach the topic. And clearly you're, you're not saying Danny has expensive taste by any means. So not implying that in any way, shape or form, but, but it just reminds me of that conversation that they had. And it wound up that she just wanted more of his undivided time. And that's what you're saying there. But I still think there's some like combination, like you're still maybe conflating that with the presence and like who knows what Danny wants. And this is not like an existential worry for you as far as the $50 Valentine's Day. So I'm not saying that, but like, isn't that interesting that like maybe that's a conversation you guys could have. And it might come back to like, I remember one time you had a fleeting mention of we do grocery shopping together or like the weekly Costco trip. And that's one of her favorite hours of the week. That just reminds me of it's such a similar parallel. You know, it's so funny. If you spend time talking about this, you almost immediately can self-reflect on where your weak points are and what you could do better. And I guarantee you, if I were to offer you, sweetheart, I will go spend $200 on a gift for you today. That's option A. Or option B is I shut off my computer, I lock my phone in the drawer, and we just spend the day with no electronics. Like, I know which one she would pick right away. It would be a, it would be a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. She'd probably trade two years of presents for one full day of undivided, uh, no phone. Yeah, and then the moment be. the moment that's incredibly sad is I'd be like, oh, I don't want to put the phone <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. It is hard. But you need to. You've got to separate because even that you can find your your addictions, even in things that you think are fine. Once you to find out what you're addicted to, try to get rid of everything and then find out where your pain points are. There's something there. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, so Brad and I want to start this next segment off by playing a voicemail that we got almost a month and a half ago from Scott, who reached out to us to basically say that he thinks the Phi community is long overdue for a documentary. And we want to talk about this, but before we do that, we want to set it up by playing this voicemail that we received. Hang on just a second. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Brad. This is uh, Scott Rickens here down in San Diego, California. Just wanted to first off say love the podcast and listen to every episode and really enjoyed the most recent one uh, last week with The Wealthy Accountant. That was pretty incredible. Keith is awesome. That was great. And I'm actually setting up an LLC as we speak. So it was very poignant to what I'm doing. It was awesome. So thank you for what you guys do. Uh, really enjoy it. And the community needed something like this. So thank you. And because of that, actually, my uh, love for the podcast and the way you guys do things and your style, I wanted to reach out to you. I am 
actually uh, spending about the next year or so creating a documentary about Phi and the community that has really transformed my life, me and my wife, and I believe has the power to transform a lot of things in this country and, and maybe even in this world. So I am pursuing that. As a storyteller, I've, I've got about 10 years under my belt. I've directed a documentary, a full feature documentary that was debuted in South by Southwest and had a nice little tour of 20 uh, cinemas across the country. And you can find my work at scottrickens.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-R-I-E-C-K-E-N-S.com. I also have a company called saintwest.com uh, where myself and my business partners had been pursuing video production for the last decade or so. But anyway, would love to chat more with you about that. I've got some plans for how I can get started on that and wanted to just kind of talk to you guys about a few things to see if uh, you're interested in this. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys, uh, see if you're interested at all. Love to tell you more about the doc and what I intend to do and, and all that. So awesome. Looking forward to hearing from you. All right. Thanks, guys. So, of course, Brad and I got this voicemail and we were through the roof excited because this community does deserve this documentary. And obviously, we feel that this information has the ability to transform lives, transform our culture, transform the world and and provide everybody a platform from which they will be able to pursue their own personal happiness. So we immediately reached back out to Scott and this was followed by several conversations, which were incredibly exciting to be a part of. And frankly, for our community, this is just a behind the scenes look at what's going on. And and I just wanted to basically take a couple minutes and talk to Brad about it, get his thoughts live, and then let you know where this is going in the very near future. So Brad, where do you think we should start with this? Yeah, well, I mean, this was and is maybe the most exciting thing going on in the Phi community at the moment. And Jonathan, as you always say, the fire is spreading, my friends, right? Like that is what we're doing here at Choose FI. We're not just trying to talk to a closed group of people and kind of all pat ourselves on the back how we found this superpower, right? Though, you know, that's fun, I guess, in, in and of itself. But but it is a you, pretty cool club. <laughs> it is a very cool club. No doubt about it. But but I mean, the point, at least from my perspective, is is growing this movement and trying to get other people to see that we're not doing anything crazy here, but yet we're building these lives of financial security, happiness, and financial independence, right? Where we can retire, quote unquote, or really choose what we do with our time, right? And that, it's just such a powerful concept that for me, this Choose Up High podcast is, is my life's goal, right? Like that's, that's where we are at this point. I consider this my life's goal to help spread this message. And when I heard this voicemail from Scott about doing a documentary and him spending a year of his life on this, it just further reiterated that point to me that there are other people crying out for this information. And in talking with Scott and getting to know him over the last month or so, him and his wife have dived into this concept as much as anyone. I mean, they're literally moving from beautiful San Diego and moving to a low cost of living area and they're pursuing phi and they are well down that path now and this documentary is the logical offshoot of that so yeah i mean it's just it's really neat and you know we're not pushing this documentary because we think it's going to help us or choose a phi or anything like that you know we don't care about that stuff we just want more people to learn about phi and you're seeing some of scott's work and speaking with him and hearing his excitement I think this is the real deal. And yeah, I mean, that's why we're going to continue to talk about it here on the podcast. 
And so we're trying to figure out what is the best way to do that. And we think the next logical step is that we're actually going to have Scott come on the podcast in the very near future and share his story, share how we found the rabbit hole and where he is now and where he's hoping to go with this. And then for our community, we want to bring you behind the scenes. The watching world will find out about this in the next year or so. And we we actually anticipate that this is something that very likely could be picked up by the mainstream. So Netflix, Amazon Prime, a lot of those big venues, there's a very high chance that this could end up being featured. But this is about the FI community. And, and we don't think you need to be ambushed by it. We would like to bring you in on it and see it as it's getting built step by step. And so we want your feedback. We want your ideas. This is something that's going to feature, for instance, the Camp Mustache that's coming up in Florida. That will be a part of this. FinCon coming up. That will be a part of this. Some of the Chautauquas, that will be a part of this documentary. Potentially interviewing people in our community. That very likely may be a part of this. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And essentially the idea is that there are so many different walks of life inside the focus lens of Phi. There are so many different ways to take it. People that have made radically different yet unconventional choices yet have a lot in common. And wouldn't it be cool to feature some of those stories in a compelling way that basically says, just try doing things just a little bit smarter than your neighbor. Just think about the choices that you're making and put your emphasis and your priorities on things that will actually make you happy. Pursue happiness. And so we want to do what we can to support this and to support the Phi community every step of the way. Uh, and so part of this, we'll be raising money for this documentary. And Scott has already created a Kickstarter campaign, which is going to go live in the very near future. I believe he's still looking for feedback on how to tweak it and make it as useful as possible. And I've invited him to feature that thread on our Facebook community group. So I think on that group, he is going to post a thread of what he's come up with for Kickstarter levels, because there are, there are some real costs to creating a documentary. Even if it's a low cost documentary, you've got to essentially raise money for travel, to raise money for the hotels that you'd be staying in for that period of time. There is, although it will not cost a lot in terms of the relative cost of making a movie or anything like that, there are some very real costs that need to be covered in order for him to really be able to give up a year of his life and put his focus on this community. So uh, anyways, this upcoming week, we're going to get a thread posted on our Facebook community group. He's going to post his ideas for the Kickstarter campaign. And all we're really looking for is your feedback on whether or not those look like good ideas and how you would consider tweaking it to make it even better as we continue to push forward with this. And if you are interested in that or interested in our Facebook community group, super simple. Just go to choosefi.com slash Facebook. There's a very simple opt-in form and we will send you an invite to get you into that group. Okay, so next on this Friday Roundup, we want to feature a question from Bonnie. And she posed this question to the wealthy accountant and he's already gotten back to us with feedback. So this is a two-part series and we're going to play both of them for you right now. Give me just a second. Hi, Brad and Jonathan. This is Bonnie. First off, love the show. Thank you both very much. My husband and I both listen to it. I have a question that may be for one of you or for the wealthy accountant. My husband and I are somewhat late to the fire game or FI. Uh, we're ages 51 and 58, but we're gearing up to execute soon. Our plan is to uh, jump off our nine to five stressful jobs here soon and travel around for a year or two. So during that time that we have no earned income, are there some smart tax strategies or tax advantages or things that we could implement that might help us down the road and, and be more successful at uh, FI? Please note that we have about 80 or 80 
85% of our wealth is currently in 401ks or tax-deferred accounts. So we each have a 401k through employment over the years. And I also have a rollover IRA from a 401k at one point. We recently sold our home, so we're renting. And my husband also has a pension that we can start at any time or it can also be cashed out. So any advice that either one of you can provide or the wealthy accountant, we would welcome that and and would hope to uh, add that to our successful FI strategy. Thank you both again. Bye. Okay, so we got this voicemail that was incredible. It's the perfect conversation to send to Keith and get his input. And we did that and he's gotten back to us and we're going to play his response now. Hello, Bonnie. This is Keith from The Wealthy Accountant. Brad and Jonathan gave me your uh, your questions about your early retirement and congratulations to you and your husband. From what I have here from my notes as I listen to this is that you're 51 and your husband is 58. You are going to be retiring very shortly here now and uh, you want to travel for a, year, a few years so there'll be no income. You have most of your money in retirement accounts like 401ks. Now, there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is, is that with no income, your standard deduction for a married filing joint person in 2016, which will be adjusted up a little bit for 17, and your exemptions are also $4,050. So the $12,700 standard deduction and the $4,050 exemption uh, for both of you adds up to $20,800. So you want to get $20,800 out of this account in your 0% tax bracket. The 10% tax bracket for a married filing joint person is $18,550, which means you could take out $39,350 and if that's your only income, you would have a tax of $1,855, which would be a, an effective rate of 4.7%. Now, the bad news is, is that you're both under age 59 and a half. You can still take money out under Section 72T without a penalty, but there are some limitations. The first is that you have to use an RMD calculator or a 72T calculator to determine how much you can take out. The IRA administrators can help you do this. Once you have that amount, if you take that amount and start that process, that's Section 72T distribution from a retirement account, you have to continue doing it for five years or age 59 and a half, whichever is longer. Now, your husband's 58, so if you can hold out for a little bit or if this is going to start when you when he hits 59 and a half, the good news is, is this is a real easy call. We just take the money from his account. There is no penalty, nothing to worry about. If you take it from his account before he turns 59 and a half, even 59 in three months, then under 72T, you started the process, you would have to continue taking that amount for five years. You, on the other hand, if you took it from your account, it would have to be done until age 59 and a half because it's longer than five years. So you have to go with whichever one is going to be longer. Now, because you are in retirement, taking money out of your accounts, for example, if there's a $25,000 allowance under 72T, to take out $25,000 each year for five years or longer might not be an issue, but it's something just to consider. Uh, There are also potential state income tax issues as well, which I'm not calculating in here. I don't know which state uh, you have come from. So I hope that helps. I congratulate you on your retirement. I hope you enjoy your travels. And I look forward to hearing about all the exciting adventures you have. I love this. This is a chance for Keith to unpack what could be a very complicated discussion, but it's his 
area of specialty. And so he can talk about it with ease. And because it's a very specific case, he can do more than what he could do if he was just creating some generic scenario. He has actual data to work with, a real scenario. And so he can give you optimized information for the place that you are. And uh, thank you, first of all, Keith, for taking the time to provide that feedback for Bonnie. Yeah. So I just wanted to emphasize Keith's point about Bonnie having her husband potentially wait until he's 59 and a half. That seems like a nice, easy path of least resistance if they possibly can wait that long. And also, I thought it was really interesting how he added on and showed her what the 10% bracket would be. So, I mean, they can essentially pull out, I think Keith said $39,000 and have an effective tax rate of 4% and change. So, I mean, that is a minuscule amount of tax on $39,000 of income. So yeah, I mean, that's just really good insight from Keith. And just again, this is the value of having these in-house experts. So yeah, Keith, thank you for your time. And Bonnie, thanks for the question. So one of the things I love is that Phi runs so perfectly in tandem with the side hustle. And we will use both of those to aid the other and speed up your progress ultimately to be Phi. And one of the cool things with the side hustle is people say, I don't have ideas. But the great thing about this show is that we're crowdsourcing ideas. And on, a, on an almost daily basis, something new is coming across Brad or myself. It's coming across our radar. And frankly, when it's just inspiring, we want to share it with you and hopefully give you a chance to think about whether or not any of these tools will work in your life. And a couple of cool things happened after we posted the Friday Roundup last week. And I wanted to take a second because I know Brad had actually followed up on his this collection of just stuff, these collectibles, right? All of us have, have some form of collectibles from our childhood. And he had an excessive amount of collectibles up in his attic. So I know he's been making some strides with that game plan, right, Brad? Yes, I have. So yeah, I mean, one of the big things that we're always trying to get across here is take action, right? Like we tell the audience to take action and we need to do it ourselves and model it. So the way I got started was just kind of Googling. I figured these comic books were essentially worthless, but I was just Googling a couple things and I saw some surprising values. Some of these comic books might be worth like hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, if they're in like pristine condition. And now, so that got my fi, uh, spidey sense, we'll say, uh, tingling a little bit since we're talking comic That's books awesome. here. So I instantly perked up and I'm like, all right, I got to check this out. But keep in mind, these things have been in my attic for the last 12 years and it is boiling hot up there. So I figured like, oh great, here I have these comic books that I thought were worthless and now I think are potentially worth thousands of dollars, but they're probably melted beyond all comprehension. So I actually went up into my attic last night and I, Jonathan, you should have seen me. I was dripping sweat. I couldn't see out of my glasses. I mean, dripping sweat. It was ridiculous. As I'm carrying down what I'm counting now are nine boxes of comic books. So I'm going through it. I'm thrilled to say that they're all in still in very, very good condition. So that's good stuff. But amidst all the chaos of my attic, I realized that I didn't find the one box with what I had kind of cordoned off as the most valuable comics. So I still haven't come across that. And I'm hoping that they're up there. So actually, what's funny is I have on my to do list for today, right after we get off the phone is to head back up into the attic and 
try to search through these things. So yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully Molly didn't throw those away on you. <laughs> yeah, she might have, or somebody might have. So yeah, that would be a real kick in the butt, right? You, uh, I, I kept uh, for 12 years, maybe probably 30 years almost at this point, 25 years, thousands of comic books that might be worthless. And I lost the one valuable box. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'll come across it. And then, yeah, I found a website that will help you appraise your comics and they do it in a, a pretty reasonably intelligent manner. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that'll work out. And if not, I'll just sell, sell them on eBay piecemeal, you know, or at least the, the more valuable ones. So yeah, I mean, that is kind of my update. So rest assured, everyone, I am listening to what we talk about here and taking action. But unfortunately, my wonderful little oasis of a office here is now overrun with nine humongous boxes of comic books. But yeah, that's where I am. And Jonathan, I, w I wanted to kind of tee you up for something really cool that happened just a couple days ago. We got an email from David and I thought this was hilarious. The the subject was, I want to hire your wife, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, I'm cracking up because, I, you know, who the heck knows where this is going? And he's like, hey, guys, I'm not sure how to start an email like this, but great show. I want to hire your wife to narrate my book. And I just thought this was the coolest thing. I'm going to read one more little section here and then I'll let you tell the story. But he's saying, I wrote a book a couple of years ago for fun, but it just sat there. I sent it to family and friends and had very positive results, but never did anything more with it. Listening to your podcast about side hustles was the kick in the rear I needed to take my book to the next level. It's currently being edited and should be done in the next couple of weeks. I've always wanted to make it into an audiobook as well. Today, after listening to the Friday Roundup, the Side Hustle Impact, and Jonathan, you mentioned in passing that your wife wants to narrate books. I literally jumped out of my periwinkle car seat with glee. How freaking awesome would it be if she got her start narrating a fellow Choose F5 follower's book that he just happens to have already written? She can turn that dream into an almost immediate reality. Yeah, it's, it's so inspiring and cool. And I'm very grateful that David reached out to us because it is exactly the opportunity that my wife was looking for and she she jumped on it. So we've already worked something out. And frankly, she's already started reading it and done a sample chapter and just very, very excited for her to get a chance to really explore her passion and I think there's something really cool that they're both able to do this together. They're able to, to share these two complementary skill sets. I would never be able to write anything like David wrote it. It's a very impressive book that he's pieced together. And my wife, I believe, is going to be perfect for this. So she's already created a sample work and sent it over to him. And what's really neat, we talk about doing things a little bit smarter. It doesn't cost anything except for time to write a book. But potentially, once you've gotten it published, it's passive income for life. That's one of the things that's really compelling about becoming an author. And so I love that idea as a side hustle. So I think that's a great way to actually look at one, creating passive income streams down the road and two, sharing resources that allow you to both get closer to your goal. So just kind of kind of neat. And as a quick aside, going back to Brad, Brad, I'm kind of like a closet comic book nerd. I could never bring myself to actually buy them, but I'm very interested in seeing your collection. So before you sell all these things off, you should take a couple of snapshots of just the volume and which ones you had and post them on our Twitter feed. I'd, I'd be very interested in seeing what was buried up in your attic for 13 years. Ha, huh, cool. Yeah, I can definitely handle that. Yeah, that's one of the things I need to do is kind of organize it by title and, and such. So uh, yeah, I will definitely do that. Okay, so let's take a second and talk about a couple of frugal wins of the week from our community group. Our first one that we had was from Kaylee. Did you want to read that? Yeah. So she said, here's my frugal win of the week. Me and my fiance had a $10,000 plus wedding planned with all the five resources and your podcast. 
we decided to move up our wedding date from December to August and are having a backyard party, which will cost us only $1,000. We are using the difference to pay off debt and speed our journey to financial independence. Thank you for all that you do. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, that's a $9,000 savings plus on on a wedding. And, you know, the money is going to to pay down debt and speed that path to five. So that is that is a huge win. All right. And Ruth had a frugal win of the week. She said, when I started recycling, my trash was cut by 75%. I split the trash pickup with the next door neighbor now. And yeah, I thought this was a cool one because I've kind of alluded to this in passing where I guess I've had a different take on it, kind of sharing different things with your neighbors, like uh, a lawnmower or a leaf blower or something like that. Because realistically, these things sit idle 99% of the time. And it would be cool if you could actually pool resources as a neighborhood and not have to have, in my case, 10 lawnmowers for the 10 houses on this block. That would be kind of a cool thing. And actually, one thing that I've thought of as well is actually trash pickup. If it wouldn't be such a difficult conversation societally to like go up to my neighbor and say, hey, you want to split garbage? I feel like they'd look at me like I had a thousand heads. And, and maybe that's my own mental hang up. And I should just get over it and say, hey, let's do this. This would be a nice money saver for both of us. Neither of us are using the full extent of the garbage. Let's share and let's save resources. So Ruth actually did this and yeah, more power to her. I think it's great. But I have a reframing on that. One is that, uh, first of all, if it were your buddy, so you're living next to a friend, so i.e. you have a sense of community, that lowers the bar and makes it a little bit simpler. The second half of that is, I was thinking, yeah, it's pretty cool, but I don't want to be giving someone $5 a month. On the flip side of that, you've talked about cash flow in the past, basically saying that cash flow at some point really doesn't become an issue and you can make decisions based on saving money. And I was just thinking, while it might be weird to say, hey, can I give you five bucks a month to split your trash with you? Maybe that's weird. But what if you said, hey, I tell you what, I want to split this with you and I'm willing to give you 60 bucks just to let me throw my little bit of trash that I have you know, in your trash bale you know, once a week or twice a week. Would that be cool? I bet you they would say yes to that. I would say yes to that if it were a reasonable request done the right way and just drop that money all at once, pay for it for a whole year and then not have to worry about it anymore. So I think, again, it goes back to framing. It goes back to messaging. It goes back to community. All these things end up being tied together. So uh, thanks for sharing, Ruth. Okay, it's time to bring this episode to a close and we like to finish each episode by reading a few iTunes reviews and we actually do a drawing for a copy of J.L. Collins' book, The Simple Path to Wealth. And if you wanna be a part of that drawing, all you need to do is go to choosefi.com slash iTunes. There's some very simple instructions on how to leave us a written review on iTunes, or you could also leave it on Stitcher, although I don't have a tutorial for that. I believe it's pretty simple. Leave us a review on either of those platforms, and then just let us know that you've done that, and you can just send us a message at feedback at choosefi.com, letting us know the screen name that you left it under so that we can match it up. And then every week on the Friday Roundup, we announce our winners for uh, that drawing. And currently we do one copy of the book for every five submissions that we get. And yeah, please do that. Please be a part of it. And I believe, Brad, how many winners do we have today? Uh, we have two. Yeah, we had uh, nine people email us. So yeah, we're giving away two books today. And the first winner is Andrew. And Andrew said, it's a revelation. The best way to start my week. In every episode, there are nuggets or actionable items, as Brad loves to call it. Jonathan and Brad speak about the pillars of financial independence in great depth. Chooseify is a unique crowdsourced project where the Phi community drives the show. I had a frugal win last month, contributed all my bonus to my 401k plan. 
not only did I defer my federal taxes, but also got a 4% employee match, added over $10,000 to my 401k plan. The fire is spreading. And yeah, that's a, just a great review, Andrew. And congrats on your frugal win of the month. And okay, Brad, who is our second winner? Yeah, it's uh, Kyle. Okay. And Kyle says, life-changing podcast. I love Chooseify and let me tell you why. I've read tons of books on personal finance since my teens, including all the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books and many more. I've had a goal of financial freedom for a decade, but until I heard Brad and Jonathan in this podcast, I had no clear plan or definition of what I was actually trying to achieve. The way they can bring together all the sources of information you need and summarize it in one hour podcasts that leave you with actual steps to move forward is amazing. I'm 30 now and feel like the last three months has done more for my personal growth than the last 10 years. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you so much for your feedback. Thank you for joining us twice a week on Monday and Friday and all the days in between on our Facebook community group. The fire is spreading, my friends, and we'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.